When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic. And I am here at Kansas Speedway to talk about the Kansas race and the IndyCar race and the F1 race. And uh, Jordan, I miss you, but you'll we'll be back together next week. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Plenty to talk about. Let's get to it right away. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> well, I would not have started these playoffs thinking that a driver outside <laughs> of the playoffs would win the first two races, which we've gone uh, many years I'm pretty sure I have to go back and look at the exact stats, but I think there's been multiple years in a row where a non-playoff driver has not won during the playoffs at all, like at all. And now you have two in a row to open the playoffs. Now Bubba Wallace was in the owner point playoffs, but still not a playoff driver. And uh, I mean, 18 different winners. I mean, it's just this season of parody just keeps getting wackier and wackier to me. Um, but in the same sense, though, Jordan, this, this race wasn't wacky at all. Bubba had the fastest car. He went out and won with it, and it was a straight-up win. Well, the, I think the race was wacky in a sense that you had a lot of playoff guys today have a lot of issues, and that really jumbled the playoff field. And the second part that of that, though, this was a straight-up win for Bubba Wallace. This was, there was no shenanigans. There was no controversy. There was no rain. There was nothing but Wallace going out there, taking the lead under the green flag, holding the lead through a cycle of pit stops, and going on and taking the win, that was a impressive performance. And you could argue this is probably the, the most all-around performance of Wallace's career from beginning to end. It was a really good weekend. The only one that would come close was Michigan, but he didn't win at Michigan. Today he closed it out, and he did a really good job of not getting frazzled, maintaining his composure. Um, those are things that we always don't associate with Bubba, but today poised behind the wheel and, and went to victory lane. Well-deserved win. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it felt very calm and normal almost like um, just, hey, he went out and won in contrast to his first win uh, at Talladega, which, you know, for for several different reasons, the rain uh, being at Talladega with all that had happened there re- relating to Bubba Wallace, uh, his first win. So, you know, historic from uh, the standpoint of a black driver winning and all that stuff, um, you know, his first personal win, all, all, all that kind of stuff. Um that just felt like a, a, a moment, you know what I mean? Like, whoa, this is something's crazy mm-hmm. happening here. I was in victory lane today and it was just like, it was just very calm and like, ah, yeah, bubble one. Par for the course. I mean, the, the, the drivers on pit road, when you're talking to them afterwards, like, oh, are you surprised there's been so many different winners? And I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, I'm not really surprised bubble one because he had a really fast yep. car and he's been driving really well lately and he went out and won the race. So good, good for him. Like the drivers weren't surprised. It, it was nothing like, whoa bubba won this race what really like i think eric jones was a much bigger surprise last week at darlington 
you know? I would agree with that 100%. And I think that it's a good point in that this isn't a surprise. You look at Bubba's performance, really, you go back to Nashville. That was kind of the, the swing when they they really made some changes to the pit crew. And since about then, he's been rolling off top 10 finishes on a variety of different tracks, tracks you normally don't see him run well on, like a road course, for example, or a New Hampshire. And he was going there and being competitive. And this was building. And I think if you would have said Bubba Wallace is going to win a race in a mile and a half race track, you'd be like, yeah, okay, guess what? He probably should have got like three or four wins this year in a mile and a half race track. But through no fault of his own, it, it, it hasn't happened. And this, to me, it, this is not a surprise. This is a team that is very much coming to their own. And it's, it, it's in some way, it's, a, it's I don't want to say, what's the word? Um, not sad, but it's it's almost a shame that they're not in the playoffs because I feel like they could be a threat to do some damage and, and go on one of those runs because they're running well. And it's it's really impressive, like how they've just kind of continued to grow and they're now hitting their stride at really the, the most important time of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think the surprising part is that, you know, here it is in the playoffs and traditionally we are used to once the playoffs begin, it's really the playoff drivers who we mostly see ramping things up and getting top tens and you know, getting the wins and, and, you know, just filling the entire, you know, top 15, practically, it feels like at times with, unless somebody has trouble and, you know, so to see two non-playoff drivers come out and win that that's a surprise. Now at the same time, it's, it's sort of like, okay, like, like you said, you could see all this coming for him um, in our preview on the athletic this week, you know, talking about, Oh, who, who could you see it from outside the playoff field? We both wrote about why Bubba would, would be the good pick there. Um, and it, you, again, like you could just see that, that sort of picking up. Um, now I, I see, you know, they're, they're sort of, um, you know, booty Barker and Bubba on his TV interview and stuff, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, wh wh what can they say about us now? Right. Well, I, I see pe what people are saying. They're saying that, Oh, Kurt Busch just won this race in the same car in the spring. Uh, so, you know, uh, well, he didn't really uh, do anything. Guess what? Daniel uh, Suarez came in the media center on Saturday and said, Hey, guess what guys, things have changed so much that that Kurt Busch car that won the race here wouldn't even finish top 20 now because the setups have evolved so much. Um, so this is a completely different race. It's a completely different car because everybody's cars are, you know, different now, by the way, this is a 23 team. It's not even Kurt's team. So you can poke the holes in that one pretty quick in that argument. I really think there's nothing you can take away from him in this case. He drove a great race. He overcame a loose wheel again, um, had to go to the back, came up through. I mean, what what can you say about him? And that's what that's what I think is satisfying to the to the twenty three team, twenty three eleven, uh, the forty five team in this case, and Bubba because they just straight up won this. It is, and he's right when he gets out of the race car and he said it over the radio, like, "What are you going to say about us now?" There is nothing you can say. You can't. There is no, there is zero holes to poke in this win. This was a win that he went out and took it and earned it. No, no rain, no nothing, no unusual circumstances, not a super speedway race, none of that stuff. No All weird late caution. Nothing, no, you know, yeah. nothing. This was straight up a, a, a driver going out and winning a race and deservedly so. Kudos. I mean, look, the guy previously in his career, I'm pretty sure that the, his career high laps led for any race was 23 laps. Today he led 58 laps. Um, now Alex Bowman led 107 laps, but, um, you know, he, he got, uh, behind late and uh, you know, on a long run, they were decent and Bowman ended up uh, finishing fourth, but I mean, this was Bubba controlled the last part of the race. I mean, it was, I, again, I, I can't I just, 
can't no, find anything. And you did a really say. good job of managing traffic, getting through traffic, not which you know is not easy to do on some of these tracks. And that's an opportunity for the second place to our car to cut into that lead. And while Hammond was able to whittle that lead down to about a second, it was never to the point of like, oh man, this is going to be tense. It it was that it just Bubba just picked his way through, made his made his spots, and went. Well, and there was no chance for him to choke it away or cough it up. Um, you know, he he had you know Booty Bark was describing in the post race press conference how you know he got the lead. You know, he he passed through the lead, he pulls away. And he has enough of a buffer that the pit crew is like, okay, we don't have to have, you know, the pit stop of our lives here. They had a smooth pit stop. He got, he got on and off pit road smoothly. Um, and then, you know, he gets the lead back after those other cars pitted. He's, you know, he's basically cruising. He's telling himself to stay calm. And it wasn't like, you know, four years ago or something, if Bubba was in this position and Denny was chasing him down, he might've made a mistake. He might've gotten into the wall. He might've done something something on pit road or whatever. But I, I really think that the confidence is showing now. And, you know, like you said, I mean, had they made the playoffs, um, I, you know, it would have been interesting to see what happened. However, we we're going to get to see that because to some degree, yeah. With the owner's points playoffs, he's locked that car. He's the only car that <laughs> has won his way into the next round. Uh, Christopher Bell and the 20 team also got locked in on points already. Um, Can but, I ask you something really quick? If yes. before the playoffs you would have said the first driver to advance to the second round on points would have been Christopher Bell, like you would have you would have laughed, right? I mean, that's bonkers. I mean, that nobody, none of the sixteen playoff drivers have won their way in, and that the the one guy that's locked himself in on points would be Bell. I, I'm <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Like I'm not like he's had a good year. Don't get me wrong. Like he's actually consistently points wise ran better than any of the four Gibbs cars. But there's still a laundry list of guys that I think would have gotten in before him, especially because I would have thought one of those guys would have won a race. And here we are in this zany well, year you, where you would have thought, oh, if anybody's going to clinch the next round or something, it would be Chase Elliott with all those, you know, playoff sure. points that he had gone in with, or somebody with a big cushion sure. or something. But um, you know, it's funny because I think even if you, you know, whether it's uh, Bell or or Bubba, I mean, earlier this year we were like, oh gosh, is Bubba going to be able to hang on to his job, all that stuff. Uh, I, I talked to somebody at the tweet up today and he was saying how he he's a new listener of ours and uh, he decided to go back and he, he has, he, I think he said he drives for UPS. So he's, he has a lot of time in the truck, a lot of time on the road. So he decided he's going to go back and listen to our other podcasts uh, that we've done this year. And so he's, he's hearing all these <laughs> like absolute freezing cold takes that we've had uh, throughout the course of the year. Um, where he's like, oh, that was their prediction. That didn't happen at all. Um, I totally own that because this has been the most unpredictable year imaginable. I mean, we've gone from, and, and Denny Hamlin said it, you know, in his press conference just now where he's saying, you know, I, I was on video with, with Bob at Sonoma saying there's no way there's going to be even 14 winners. Remember that quote? Mm -hmm. um, and there's 18 winners uh, with eight races still to go. Um, if you want to throw in the, the Blaney win at the all-star race, it would be 19 different winners. Um, I mean, just uh, crazy again, to think 18 different winners and those do not include Martin Truex Jr. Or William Blaney. I mean, just the, the craziest of years, the most parody filled of years. And, uh, I think too, we're, we're in for, this is all setting up for, um, more chaos to come in the playoffs because I, I just don't see, I don't see any signs so far of sort of the playoff drivers being dominant that they, they feel comparatively weak compared to the rest of the field. 
And, and what I mean by that is normally you would see like, okay, there's a clear line of like the playoff guys are up here. Everybody else is kind of down here. And then maybe they're even some of the playoff guys aren't, you know, they can't hang up with the rest of the playoff guys this year. I mean, the field is just not that dominant. It's just not that strong. Um, you know, maybe it's because of all the parity with the next gen car. Maybe it's because I believe this is the youngest playoff field ever. Um, just so much spread throughout the field. And, and again, we've seen it with two, two non-playoff winners to start things. And, and it's all going to keep setting up for wackiness to come. I mean, you have right now you have Kyle Busch below the cut line going into Bristol. You have Kevin Harvick below the cut line. Those are two names that neither of us at all considered would be eliminated early. And two guys that can go to Bristol and very conceivably could win there. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's, everything is set up now where like, like even uh, like Harvick has to win. Right. Yeah. But nobody else really has to like Chase Briscoe is 15th in points, but he's only, let's see. Um, he's only nine points out. Um, in the past, we've more seen like going into those round one elimination races where you'll see, oh, one guy's 40 points out, one guy's 20 something points out. I mean, yeah, Harvick's not in good shape, but everybody else, I mean, Austin Dillon on pit road after the race today was just like, I feel pretty good about where we are. I can go to Bristol and do that. I mean, he's three points out. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. Kyle Busch, man, what, what, what's different is to me this year is you always see drivers have issues in playoff races, uh, you know, challenging tracks, that kind of thing, circumstances. To me this year, and it's been a thing throughout this season, is pit road. The number of uh, miscues on pit road, whether it's loose wheels, equipment violations, um, speeding penalties, it seems um, even more so this year. Like there's more, and I don't have the numbers, and I may be completely wrong. This is totally anecdotal. It just feels like there's more penalties involving playoff guys this year than we have seen um, really in any other playoff, and that is impacting – uh, the playoff because you've got guys having to come go to the back and come to the front and, and sometimes they're not able to do it and they have an issue like Kyle Busch today um Denny Hamlin I, I would think I thought he had the fastest car in this race but he never had track position you know he was always having to play catch up a little bit and Chase Shelley had an issue today I mean it just it goes on and on it's just the number of guys that have problems in these races is just adding up and it's to me it's remarkable yeah well I mean there were so many like equipment interference penalties yeah. today which I was like, are they doing a crackdown on that today or something? No, like, and they were legit. All... I mean, yeah, let I me mean, Latart yeah. on, on, did a really good, great job. Steve Latart on NBC Sports did a great job of breaking them down. And like, they're they were all legit, at least the ones they showed. Like, there wasn't one like, oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of ticky tacky. Like, no, these are like wheels rolling into other pit stalls and bumping into crew guys. Like, these are these are calls you have to make. Well, I mean, there was so many. You know, I think uh, everything is so close right now that maybe the the emphasis and the stress on pit road on on. The, you know, the drivers, the teams, everybody, um, you know, everybody's trying to get everything they can there because that's a place where you can pass. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, where, you know, on the track, like it's, it's very difficult. Everybody's very even. Um, and it's, it's chaotic out there. I mean, I, I was up in the press box until about 60 to go. Um, and I, I just thought for whatever reason, it just felt like to me, like, man, these guys are racing so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, the, the battles that were going on today, it just wasn't, it was like pe people were, I, I felt like guys were like really forcing the issue, really trying to stick it in their three wide, you know, um, push, put somebody in a, in a tough spot, even going too wide. I mean, you saw four wide repeatedly a couple of times, like legit. 
And it was like, wow, these guys are really going for it. And it wasn't like the end of the stage was coming up or end of the race was coming up, like just during the race, like they were, it just felt like they were driving their butts off and uh, love to see it. I mean, but, but it, it creates, I mean, it creates these situations. Um, let's, let's go through some of the, the playoff driver troubles today. Obviously Kevin Harvick, I mean, um, you know, he, he was battling four wide and then it goes three wide. Uh, it looked like Chastain, you know, tried to come up a little bit, uh, and race hard. And, and so, you know, there was no contact, but behind that Harvick loses the air in his nose. It snaps loose. He's wrecked done. Um, he had a fast race car today. They love yeah, that race car. That was going to be a top 10 day. You'd think, right? Easy, I mean, I think Tyler Reddick, um, very Whoa. reminiscent of Fontana in a way to me where he's really fast. And, uh, unfortunately we learn later because I mean, he not only got the pole, but he was fastest in practice and he was fastest in multiple like lap averages of practice. And, you know, he's out there leading and you're like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a good day for Tyler Reddick. And unfortunately we quickly find out, well, the reason he's fast is because <laughs> their setup, uh, was really pushing it on tires and look what happens, you know? Yeah, and that's been a recurring theme for that team this year where they have had fast race cars leading races twice at Kansas, once at Fontana. I think Charlotte was the other one. I have to go back and look, but it's been numerous times where they're out front and you're like, man, this is, could be their day. And whatever reason, they they have a problem of conserving that equipment and getting it to the finish. And whether it's it's something breaking on the car, whether it's tire failure or whatever, it's been a repeated issue. And, and again, it reared its head, ugly head today. Yeah, and I asked Austin Dillon afterwards. I was like, "Were you worried when you saw Reddit go out? Because I imagine you had somewhat similar setups." He's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "We had really similar stuff this this race," and uh, he's like, "I think we just pumped up our tires maybe a little bit more or something, so we were able to do that and avoid that." Um, so he he survives, but his teammate uh, who had such a strong car goes out. That's got to be disappointing for Reddick, but at the same time, he's in okay shape. You know, like he's 11th in points. I mean, uh, well, he's, you know, two points ahead, basically, of the cut line. Um, That's not in good shape. Well, but what I'm saying is, you know, you would think that if you go out in a, in a playoff race and finish 35th, sure. um, you're going to, you, by the time you look at the points, you'd go, oh, geez, he's, he's 20 points out. He's inside right now. Yeah, so, no, it, it's know, just it's part of the yeah. issues that guys have had when you've had so many guys have problems. Kyle Bush, another example today, fast race car could never, get it to a point where they were up in the mix. I, and I think they would have been, but he spins out and, you know, his days kind of go sideways from there. Well, he, you know, he had that penalty for the equipment interference. Um, then he does spin out, uh, you know, blows the tire after he spins, goes through the grass, loses a lap, um, is able to, you know, try to somewhat come back, but ultimately it's, it's not enough. And uh, you know, at least he, he didn't DNF, but you know, he ends up finishing two laps down in 26. So, you know, it's, that's, you just can't do that. But again, I wouldn't be too worried if you're, if you're Kyle Bush, because you're going to Bristol, which is like one of his best all-time tracks and you're only two points out, you would think, okay, well, I- I'm fine. I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, See, that but, scares the that's, that scares the hell out of me though. If I would be Kyle Bush, like I'm like two point. I'm like I know like yeah, we're going to Bristol, but like you know it is like, anything can happen here, and you don't really control your fate. And but what know. what what amount of lead would be would you feel safe with at Bristol at all next week? 30, 40 points. You'd feel comfortable with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit better. Like I know I can like stumble and I can still finish probably top fifteen, top twenty. 
in advance. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, the only person, uh, the only people that have a 30 or more point lead, if I'm looking at this correctly now, are Bowman, Blaney, Logano, Hamlin, Byron, and obviously Bell is locked in. So everyone from Chase Elliott, Larson, Chastain, um, they, they, those, those ones I just read, they actually have a decent amount. And then it gets really dicey around Daniel Suarez, <laughs> um, who is only plus six and Reddick and Sindrick are tied for the last spot. Plus two Kyle Bush minus two Austin Dillon minus three, uh, chase Briscoe minus nine, as we said there. And then Harvick pretty much has to win. So, um, Yes, that's going to be extremely compelling. And, and what's interesting too, Jordan, I'm going to write more about this in my top five on the athletic, but I was asking drivers what they expect from Bristol, what, how they think it will go. Oh, and there's uh, a lot of, I mean, just very, it's completely up in the air. It sounds like, I mean, drivers have talked about even on the simulator, they're not sure whether they're going to be shifting. Um, they think it's, it, it feel really rough in the simulator. Um, the only driver who said, I think it'll be actually calm and I don't think we'll be able to pass very much. And, you know, because the speeds will be so high uh, was Tyler Reddick, but everybody else was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be on an all timer kind of thing of, of chaos. So, um, which your team chaos. So that would be team chaos, thing. baby. See, and my thought of this is, and I said this last week is that if it's tough to pass at Bristol, it's kind of like a Martinsville because of the stakes, I would expect that you're probably going to see drivers get even more aggressive and just die, you know, start really doing moves that you probably otherwise wouldn't do and, and shoving guys around, which then, of course, is going to lead to, to chaos. That That's my thought. Well, see, yeah, the, the problem is, and this is why, that was what most of the drivers were saying. Reddick's point was he thinks that they're going to be going so fast, they're going to be around the top. And the only way that you would be able to move somebody at Bristol would be like, if you sent it in there so hard that you're either going to nail the person in front of you or nail the wall if you miss them. And like, okay. you were basically going to have to like completely just completely go for them to try to take them out. Um, some of the drivers were like, we, we could be approaching track record speeds there. They think it'll be so fast. Wow. Um, so I, I don't know if that will happen. And, and the bottom line is none of them do. Like they were all just like, there's been really no track with the next gen car like this. Um, if you unload bad, it's going to be a miserable night. You're going to miss it. And it's going to be, you're, you're probably pretty much screwed. Um, so we might be able to get some hints in practice there, but it's going to be on the edge. And if they do, for whatever reason, have to shift, they were all just kind of like, oh my God, I hope we don't have to shift. Um, Cause they, they <laughs> you know, that, that would be around that track. There's so much going on anyway. Oof. If you're having to shift around Bristol, yeah, like get the most speed out of it. Ooh, that's going to be, that's going to be, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an absolute barn burner chaos. I don't want to say crash fest because I don't that's not the right description, but I think it's just going to be absolute mayhem. I mean, can't make mistakes. You cannot make mistakes. No, and if you make a mistake there, it's not just a one-car accident. It's usually a multi-car. Yep, yep. Well, um, you know, today there was some really good performances that I thought were were worth noting. And uh, I, I, I tell you what, I've, I've got to give a shout-out here to Alex Bowman. I mentioned he led yeah. um, 107 laps and finished fourth, but, you know, quietly – for somebody, I think I had him out in the first round. I, might, I, I we both had them out. Yeah, um, you know there was really no signs that, you know, uh, the way their summer had gone. I mean, they weren't even close to any of their Hendrick teammates. Um, you know, he, he was the top finishing Hendrick car today. 
only Hendrick Ooh. Carr in the top five. And really, I mean, he's had two very nice, solid playoff runs here, uh, your playoff races here the, the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he said, actually, this started about uh, five weeks ago or so. They started bringing really fast cars to the track. And he feels like now they're, they're actually showing the speed. So, um, man, you know, he's, he's gotten himself in decent shape there really to advance. And I, I, I did not see that coming. So shout out to him, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to have a good playoff the way this team has performed this year underwhelmed. They haven't really done anything while well, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson have led a lot of laps and, and been in position and had won races. Bowman's season has gone the other way. He, I mean, he just, he hasn't finished the top 10, I think just once. Um, he wasn't leaning laps. He wasn't doing any of the things you could look at and say, oh, yeah, you know, they're actually running well. They're just not getting the results. No, they weren't running well and they weren't getting the results, which is a bad combination. And I think it was easy to say. I think most people would be honest with themselves, had him going out early and it wasn't even a doubt. And to your point, I agree. Like he went here today, did everything he needed to do. The only miscue they had was on pit road and he almost you know, got him to chase, chase Briscoe, which was not Alex's fault. But this was a really good day. and. This was they put themselves in a very good spot where they can just go to Bristol and just have a decent day. They're going to be fine, which is which is surprising because I was very this was a disappointing team and they had they had not done anything I thought they were capable of doing this year. And now, you know what? All that matters is you get hot at the right time of the year. And if you can turn around and have a good playoff, uh, that can erase a lot of the other you know disappointments along the way. Yeah. And I mean, um, right now it looks like all four Hendrick cars are in at least position to advance. William Byron is second in points. He's in really good shape. Yep. Um, Another guy who's turned around his performance too. Now they're getting results too. It's that's something they weren't doing. Yeah. He had a very strong run today, finished sixth and, uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, it, he had a bad start to his race, but he ends up finishing 11th. So, um, you know, he put himself in, in decent position and here's one of those other head scratchers of, in terms of like, would you have thought, after the first two races um, of the playoffs that Kyle Larson would be the lowest Hendrick driver in points. Um, again, no. not something no. that you would, <laughs> many people would predict, uh, but that is the case. Although he's still um, in decent shape, decent. Um, but again, you know, not much of a, a margin there. Now you've talked about if I'm Ross Chastain um, who finished seventh today, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. you, you've said, if I'm Ross Chastain, I, I do not want to go into Bristol anywhere close to, uh, being in jeopardy of, of retaliation, taking me out. Um, Ross Chastain, he is, let's see, 20, it looks like 26 points up. So um, is that enough for you to feel comfortable if you're no. Ross Chastain? <laughs> no, because, I mean, you get wrecked, and, and depending upon, I mean, you finish in the 30s and the, the the other bubble drivers or a bubble driver has a has a good race and stage points. No, I, I don't, I'm not feeling good. I think that's that is still it's not as bad as it could be, obviously, but it's still not enough to make me sleep well. If I'm Ross Chastain, I, that's in the back of my head of like I, I need to know who I'm running around at all times on, on Saturday night because there's a laundry list of guys who have you know grudges against me, and I I just I got to be very cognizant of that. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. Um, the only thing is, I just don't know if, I don't know if that opportunity is going to be there at Bristol. Cause I think so many of these guys have so much going on sure. um, to worry about themselves. There's really not that many. I mean, like Hamlin is in decent shape, but I mean, if you're Hamlin, do you really want to go into a, an elimination race and 
try to, you know, get into a feud or, or exact your revenge there when he could just get you right back. And then all of a sudden you're in trouble or something. I mean, it's just sure, not worth that, it. That's that's fair. You're, and you're right. Um, that That's the only thing is like the, the guys that he largely, I think Truex is the only one outside of the playoffs. Most of the other guys that have issues with him are all in the playoffs, including Austin Dillon. And so you're like, okay, well, they, they have to race. I will say though, remember bell is locked in to the next round. And he, and he, he does feel like he owes Ross one. So, you know, there, there you go. He owes Suarez one, right? Or Suarez owes uh, him he, one. Sorry. Sorry. Suarez yeah. owes him. Suarez, so, oh, Suarez owes, Bell owes Bell one. Yes. Yes. We really need like a spreadsheet to keep track of. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. go back to Michigan, um, Bell and, and Chastain had an issue there. And, and so, yeah, I don't, I mean, who knows? It's it just, I just, it, to me, it's like at this time of year, just eliminate all of the distractions and everything else. And, you know, and, but I will say Ross's team is one of those teams that's turned around. Like they, they are starting to, to kind of resemble the performance and the run and being able to close out and, and put together results that they weren't able to do really for a large stretch of the summer. Um, yes. I mean, okay, maybe. I mean, they, they, they've turned it around from what they were doing, but like, I, I honestly arrived at the track this morning thinking this could be a, a Chastain victory. Like I was thinking, mm. um, you know, this is the kind of, mind. well, I mean, I just thought this is the kind of track where they've, they've shown speed and, and he could really go out and, you know, he could, he can get the lead of this race. He can dominate this race. Um, I thought it was you know, a Toyota day because how good well, they are. No, that was my, tracks. yeah, I, that was my main thing. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, this was going to be one of those days where Toyota goes four of top six, but <laughs> it, it really crossed my mind. Like, you know, Chastain was like, I, I thought he was capable of, of going out there and doing it. Um, but you know, did they, I don't think they led a lap today. No, they didn't lead any laps. So I, I just don't think that's quite the Chastain we saw, quite the number one team we saw earlier in the season where they they were oh, showing up every week at, at these intermediate tracks. And it was just like, wow, they are really, you know what I mean? No, so, I, and I agree with that. My point was more that they were actually finishing in the top 10 now, which is yes, not something sure, they were doing. Sure, that, and that, sure. that's really where I agree on the speed. They don't have the same level of speed, but you have to be able to grind out top 10 finishes. And at least them doing that is, a, is an encouraging sign. Yeah. Well, there's just a whole, I mean, gosh uh a whole laundry list of guys who could either make it or miss it or i mean austin Cindric after the race i mean you still don't feel great about his chances uh of advancing necessarily but he's he's in for now by two points and he said well better to be in than out you know going into it so <laughs> he's right uh, you know if you have a clean night there you would assume other guys are going to take themselves out in one way or another i mean yeah i don't know um, so, uh, you know, how'd you feel about Kansas as a whole today? I, I, from, from the press box, I thought, Oh, that's a, that looks like a pretty good crowd. And then when I got down to the infield with 60 to go, I looked at the stands and I was like, Oh man, because we've seen a lot of great crowds this year. And this one didn't seem like it was one of them for whatever reason. Um, and Kansas has been a, another track before where people are like, I don't know, is this one on the chopping block? Like, um, what, you know, does this deserve two races? Um, Again, I I'm now think that mile and a half racing is the best racing in NASCAR. So I'm not in favor of mile and a half tracks going away. But, uh, you know, where do you think Kansas fits into the grander NASCAR landscape? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you in the sense that right now, if you're just basing it off where does this car run best, you're going to have a schedule filled with mile and a half racetracks because they are putting on a great show. And I thought today's race was very, very good. And the race in the spring was excellent as well. 
But I'm also of the belief, and I think what you've seen this year at Pocono and what you've seen at Michigan really reinforces this. Most tracks, with the exception of just a few, deserve one race. And I think it just it's it's there. There's no evidence to me of why Kansas deserves two races. And I, it's I, I wouldn't ex- I, I, I'm, I just think that would that is a market that is you visit once a year, you make it a big deal and you have it in the playoffs or wherever you want to have it, then that's fine. But to have to go there twice a year, to me, serves no purpose. And whenever NASCAR decides to add a different track to the schedule, wherever that is, but it's not one currently on it, my expectation is that date conceivably could come from Kansas, and it's justified. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just kind of hate that, given what I just said about you sure. know, how much, how much mile-and-a-half tracks are – have, have taken a step up. I, I don't want to lose one, especially if, if Texas ends up getting reconfigured into another Atlanta. Um, and then that's another like super speedway. Then, and, and then you've taken a Kansas race away. You've taken um, Chicago races away. You've taken Kentucky race away. Um, taken a Michigan race away. Yeah. I mean, you're uh, at Fontana's, you know, going to turn into a short track. It seems you know, stuff like that. You're like, wow, wait, wait a minute. Okay. We, we didn't, it was too much for a while. It was too much of the, the, you know, intermediate type tracks. Like we were, we were bored with that. The racing wasn't good there. Let's get to short tracks and super speedways and road courses. But now it's like, okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's not, let's yeah. not be so quick to do this here, but I understand why. I mean, you know, you, you've got to have the, the fan support too, but uh, I would hope that you know, hey, if you're if you're having good racing at places, then I think keep keep that going because um, well, that's you know. that's what I don't understand though. Like Kansas puts on good racing, and if I saw if I was somebody who saw that race in the spring, I'd be like, damn, I want to go check that out in in, in, the, in the fall. Not the playoff race. Sign me up. And it wasn't the case. And you can make an argument. You know, NFL kicked off today their season. Well, I guess they had a game Thursday, but you know, NFL Sunday for the first time and. You can make a lot of excuses, but it always seems like we're making excuses about Kansas. And it's like at some point, you, you got to have some proof to justify it. And that, that's where I come from. Yeah. Well, being uh, an eight and a half hour drive from here in Denver, uh, living there, <laughs> this is my home track. So, again, I'm not advocating for my home track to uh, lose a race now. <laughs> my new home track. Uh, previously, when I lived in, in Oregon, uh, my home track was Sonoma, which was 10 hours away. So now this is a nice, it's only eight and a half hour <laughs> drive. If I choose to drive. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to throw that away necessarily, but we just need to get you to relocate. No, I'm, I'm quite happy out West here. Uh, uh anyway, um, by the way, Jordan, um, the, the same person I was talking to at tweet up that went back and listened to our old episodes said oh that he feels that you've become increasingly hostile toward me over the course of, from the earlier episodes in the season till now. What, what is what's going on, Jordan? All justified. It's all justified. Okay. All justified. All justified. And you then can only poke guy, the bears. You I can only walking... poke the bears so many times before you're gonna get bit. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, 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 I will fully admit. I mean, I you know, I love to needle you. I love to like do, say things and to get you like riled up and going. So that's I, I can understand why that may be antagonistic. Yes. Well, and and, and I was walking to the tweet up uh, with Bob and Dustin Albino. We were on our way out there and another guy stopped me and wanted to say that he loved the podcast. And he said, Jeff, I love it when you needle Jordan, when you give That's Jordan fine. a hard time. I get that too. It's all good. So I was like, okay, so there we go. Is is both ways. I, I would um, agree. I think that is actually probably one of the 
hallmarks of this podcast is our banter. Well, and, you, my you know. mom, my mom doesn't like it when you, when you're mean to me, just to let you know. Okay. So oh, you're not, right. you're not on her good list lately. <laughs> There's a lot of moms who don't like me, so it's okay. <laughs> it's a right, conversation any, for a different time. Uh, anything else you want to talk about from this Kansas race before we move on to uh, some of the other motorsports? No, um, uh, fun race. I'm really excited for Bristol. I think it's going to be a barn burner. And that, that Bristol's now a cutoff race. It's just, it's like we talked about with Daytona being a cutoff for that regular season, putting Bristol as the last race around one. It's just, it was a master stroke. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, we shouldn't move on too far to the other motorsports yet because we need to talk about the big scoopage of the weekend from our own Jordan Bianchi breaking the news that Kyle Busch is headed to Richard Childress Racing next season. Uh, Jordan, you have reported with multiple sources that an announcement is coming Tuesday and he will be leaving Joe Gibbs Racing. And uh, so tell us, tell us about this and uh, what you make of all, of, of all this, this, of all this, excuse me, since this is uh, your story that you broke. Yeah. I mean, it's been moving in this direction for a while and you can read the tea leaves of what Kyle has said and how we said it. it, it really over the last month, especially. And it's pretty obvious that him leaving Joe Gibbs racing was, I don't want it, it was inevitable. Like it was, it had reached a point where it wasn't, it just didn't make sense. They hadn't found the sponsor. They hadn't agreed on a new contract. And with Ty Gibbs having the success he had, you know, it's, it's, it's some ways as someone that put this to me, it's, it's much like an NFL team where you've got to look at the salary cap and you say, yeah, that veteran player is, is really, really good for us, but that may not fit our budget. And we have this younger guy who maybe isn't going to give us the same level of performance, but he's going to be pretty good. Oh, by the way, he's going to be significantly cheaper as well. And, and so when you start looking at all these factors, it just made sense. I will say, as, this, as talks with other teams really heated up throughout the course of the summer, um, RCR was not a team that really – I'm not saying they're not in the radar because they were always kind of in the discussion, especially after the Reddick move and, and 2311 signing Reddick. And you're like, oh, well, you know, they could see that there. But you, there was really – I mean, for a long time, I, 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 I've reported this. We've talked about it. Colleague Racing was definitely in the mix. 2311 was in the mix, especially later as these talks went on. Stuart Haas Racing was in the mix early on, and then they kind of fell back. And and um, for my conversations I've had with people, it's like RCR really came to the forefront over the last few weeks. And it was, for them, I, I, it's a home run hire for them. They are getting a, a top eighth talent driver in Kyle Busch, who is a difference maker. And Tyler Reddick has done a great job over there this year, showing that, hey, RCR is capable of running with these guys, with these bigger teams and beating these guys. And now Kyle's going to go over there. I got a lot of questions about fit and how that's all going to work out and everything. But if they have the equipment they have next year that they've had this year, I think Kyle can do some damage over there and have a really you know, great second act to his career. Um, we'll see how this plays out, though. It, the whole thing's fascinating. And numerous people were sort of chuckling about the irony uh, of being here at Kansas <laughs> this weekend where Richard Childress once 
placed Kyle Busch in a headlock after saying, hold my watch and handing it to Austin Dillon, his grandson, and then proceeding to punch Kyle Busch until he fell, fell to the ground and then got fined $150,000 by NASCAR in the wake of that. That was uh, 11 years ago. Can you believe that? Um, so, you know, here we are uh, 11 years later, and these two are about to become, uh, you know, j- join the party, join the team yeah. together um, and, and pair up. So quite fascinating how that works out. I asked Kyle this weekend, like, how did you even get to the point where you would be negotiating with this person who kicked your ass? <laughs> um, you said that, not me. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Kyle was like, look, I mean, it, it was kind of like going on, you know, the Dale Jr. download when I went in uh, to talk about Richmond, the, the famous infamous Richmond incident, and, you know, kind of clear that up, clear the air with Dale Jr. And, and you know, the first time I sat down and talked to Richard Childress, we you know, it, it was not a problem. We moved on, cleared the air. So um, here they are. And I think it's, you know, obviously beneficial for both of them. I, I, I do wonder how, how it will work out, of course. Um, you know, I, I don't consider RCR to be at the same level as Joe Gibbs sure. Racing. So um, how will that go? Kyle likes to win and run well, um, but maybe he'll be, you know, a new start, fresh start. Um, you know, this is probably the biggest driver move, free agent move, of the last 15 Carl years, Edwards, maybe? maybe. Oh yeah. Well, no, I, th- I think this is bigger than Carl Edwards. I really do. Yeah. This is a I mean, big, this is a big deal. Like this is a massive, I mean, Kyle Busch, how polarizing he is and, and how many races he's won and uh, the figure that he's going to go down in NASCAR history. I mean, this is a, it's probably the biggest move since, you know, Oh seven with, with Dale jr. Making his move to Hendrick and, uh, Kyle Busch moving to Joe Gibbs racing in a way. I mean, there's, I agree. Um, it's pretty monster, monster stuff here. So yeah, crazy. It, it, it it's layered to me too. Like there's so many other elements of this of, you know, how is Kyle going to fit over there personality wise? I think that'll be okay. You know, there's your dry, your teammate, by the way, is the grandson of the car, your team owner that, you know, how does that work out? Um, can they build, give Kyle the, the equipment that he, he expects to have to consistently win races and contend for a championship, which is not something ever in question at Joe Gibbs racing. There's also the Tyler Reddick factor, which I, I don't have the answer to that question of, are they going to run three cars next year? Are they going to, how is that going to work? Where's Reddick fit in all this? Does Reddick now, does it make him more available for a 2311 to go get Tyler a year early? I don't know, but that's something that's that's going to have to be figured out. And then, of course, there's the truck series component of this as well. And and Kyle's got a team in that series, which is very heavily backed by Toyota, um, whether it's through sponsorship or drivers or you know whatnot. How is that going to work? And now Kyle or, and I, and again, I don't know, maybe RCR is going to have an involvement in that. But there's you're going to have to figure out the, the answers to those questions and how that team goes forward. Um, fascinating this this was a huge domino this was a huge domino um but there's still a little bunch of little things like you know a little you know uh, uh there's little moves out there still yes yeah i agree and and really the top question at the tweet up this morning was people really want to know about the truck team um so i thought that was interesting because obviously yeah. it's important to kyle he said this weekend you know hey I, i've got 50 employees over there and i'm fighting for them every day um but you would think he'd have to get again, like as you, as you referenced all new drivers and sponsors um, for that team. So uh, it will have a much different look, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes and how it works out for them. Um, But many more interesting developments to come on that story. I'm sure because uh, 
you know, I, I, and again, it seems like he's slated for the eight, but I think he'd be a better fit for the three personally. Uh, I yeah. know they're not going to take that away probably from, from Austin Dillon. But... 33 is what they should do. No, I think, I mean, you got to go with, put, put a, put Kyle Bush in one of those big numbers. I, the only problem is those poor Dale Jr. fans with number eight tattoos who have yeah. always hated Kyle Bush. And now he's going to be driving an eight-part <laughs> oh, oh, that might be a future story idea. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, – I, I know what I'll be doing next. I know what I'll be doing at Daytona in February. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, sir. Is, is that uh, number eight tattoo covered up? Yeah. <laughs> you hang on a tattoo part? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Have you guys had any business coming in lately? Uh... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, it's It's – yeah, it's I don't know. It's I'm I'm curious. Like I mean, how do you think he's going to do over there? Uh, I I mean, I guess it depends kind of like what they put around him, but you know, he's only been winning basically a a race a year now, so at at JGR, um I don't know. At the same time, it's funny when he came in for his press conference on um Saturday, qualifying was still wrapping up because he mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't in the final round and behind him you know, on the screens, basically Tyler Reddick was on his way to winning the pole. And, <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, in some ways it's like, well, I mean, that car's fast. Like you said, Tyler Reddick's shown speed in it. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some hope there, but I, I just don't think they're as consistent. Okay, um, yeah. They're not JGR. I mean, that's fair to yeah, say. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you one more tough question? Sure. If you're JGR, what would you have done? Would you have done all? Would you have gone all in on saying Kyle Busch salary demands, whatever, be damned, or no. do you look at Ty Gibbs and say, "Hey, this is this is what we're doing"? Um, no, I don't think so, because I mean, the whole reason, at least from from your reporting, it feels like over the course of this year, I mean, they they wanted him back, they just didn't have the money to bring him back. So if that means if you're, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that Richard Childress is hoping that he's going to get sponsorship, but doesn't have sponsorship. Right. So, but I I think JGR wasn't willing to go that route and say, we're going to, you know, put our financial lives on the line for you. Um, And again, once Ty Gibbs started showing, you know, his potential future talent and and considering how much of a cost savings that is, if Kyle Busch is like, no, I'm sorry, I got to move on. I'm looking for this and you can't give this to me. I don't think that you go that route. Like I, I think you say, okay, well, you know, it's, it's been a great ride 15 years. Um, thanks everybody. And and we'll just go our separate ways. And and I'm sure they wanted to keep them, but somebody has got to pay for it in this sport. Maybe that changes with the next TV deal, but right now you need a, a lot of money to pay the top drivers. So if you don't have it, what can what you do? do? Exactly. Um, another big topic of the weekend, uh, was Kevin Harvick's safety rant. Um, I got to tell you, Jordan, this was an all timer. This was, uh, <laughs> you were, yeah, this was, you, you were like, you, you messaged me and you're like, this, this is good. I like, I went sometimes the expectations, you're like, oh man, you know, is this going to live up to it? And you're like, no, this was, this was epic. He, he came in there, he came into the media center and for, for those who don't know, so, uh, before qualifying or before practicing qualifying, they, they bring um, drivers into the media center and they sort of like stand in different parts and you go talk to whoever you want to. So, you know, we're talking to Chase Briscoe, we're talking to whoever, Logano. Kevin Harvick comes in, Jordan, and like the entire media core is like a magnet. Just go, because uh-huh. you, yep. you know, like 
okay, yeah. he's been fired up about safety. We have to hear what this guy's going to say. What is he going to say? Uh, sure enough, he came in with a big intentional purpose uh, to, you know, he, he clearly was on a mission that I'm going to speak my mind. And I, it was funny because like Tyler Reddick was in the media center and like he was just sitting there like nobody was talking to him and he just like left. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because everybody was like, oh, like Kevin Harder, yeah. what's he going to say? And I mean, 12 minutes, he just laid into NASCAR. Uh, I, I wrote up the story already on The Athletic, but, um, you know, very, very, very strong opinions. And, and what, what I, the reason I wanted to bring this up is not because of the, the safety thing specifically. I think clearly everybody knows, um, you know, look, they, they need to do something about the fires, which they did. They put out a technical bulletin this week. They need to do something about the hard hits. That's obviously a work in progress. Harvick not happy with the progress made on, on the hard hits with this new car. He said it's screwed up um, and everybody's feeling it. And it doesn't matter what angle, um, how hard the hits are, you're, you're feeling it more. But it was so interesting to see Harvick go from sort of like, I don't know, like sometimes he would say, I'm not, I'm not really going to get involved in this kind of thing in the past or, or, or whatever. But now he's like, I am absolutely going to be out front. I'm going to speak for the garage. I'm going to speak for the drivers and I'm going to take the bullets here. And uh, if NASCAR comes, comes down on me or whatever, or uh, scrutinizes my car harder or whatever the consequences are, um, he's like, he said, this is the right thing to do for my peers and my colleagues. So, um, man, I mean, he, he really, he's really become sort of that elder statesman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he and Danny Hamlin are the two that have really kind of been at the forefront of this veterans who've been around a long time, who kind of, especially in Harvick's case was there through that, that safety uh, when you had all those deaths and who, who lived through it and kudos to him for willing to speak out. Cause not a lot of drivers are, and he is, and whether you agree with him or not, he is, he is speaking his opinion. And I, I do think it carries weight. Well, I mean, some of the drivers, the, the drivers were a little bit mixed, but some of them were like, no, I think this does need to come from him because he's a veteran. I could speak out more, but it carries more weight um, when he says it. Uh, Ryan Blaney said, you know, he doesn't have a problem speaking out, but um, he's a fan of what Harvick is doing and saying and supports <laughs> him, you know? And so I yeah. think, you know, <clears throat> we know the drivers all have a group text together and they share these concerns and they've talked to NASCAR. They have a driver's council, obviously, uh, that, you know, Jeff Burton is the, the liaison there and, and, and NASCAR to their credit. I mean, they, they, they just met with that driver's council this week, five of the drivers plus Jeff Burton for two hours to talk about safety stuff. Um, so they're talking about it. Um, but again, for Harvick's, you know, desires, it's not moving fast enough. And he has a point in the fact that, you know, this was stuff that was brought up in many cases before the season even started. And so he's frustrated that, it's gotten to this point and he feels like, oh, I'm just going to use the media now. And he did, he knows how to use the media very well to get his point across. Kevin has been very good this year about sharing his feelings and has become one of those guys who it wasn't really wasn't been this case for until this year. Like he hasn't always embraced the media opportunities and wanting to like candidly go. It's like he was begrudgingly having to go and he really wasn't wanting to say much this year though. Every media session he does it is like, it's educational. It's informative. It's entertaining. It's all, it's, 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 it's 15, 20 minutes of get a seat and, 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 and you know, listen, because you're going to be in for a, a wild ride here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, should we move on to Formula One? Sure. Okay. Question? Question? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is ever going to win another Formula One race again <laughs> at this point. Uh, Max Verstappen does it yet again. What is this, five in a row now? Yeah. Five in a row, great. 11 on the room. season. Um, look, away from the all-time, tying the all-time record. The, to their credit, in my opinion, when they pitted, when Ferrari pitted Leclerc today under the virtual safety car, they, that was the exact perfect move. They, they got him out. They got, they, that was basically as close to a free pit stop as you can get. Um, they, they got him out, I think, third still. Everybody else still had to pit. And then when Verstappen pitted, Leclerc ends up with a 10-second lead. He wouldn't have had a 10-second lead if, had they not pitted right there. Yeah, Ferrari made a good move for once. What's that? Ferrari made a good move for once. It seemed like it, but unfortunately, it didn't matter because they just are not as fast as Red Bull and Max Verstappen. And this was Monza was a track with straight straight line speed, uh, emphasizes that. And Max just simply, I mean, he's just if if they don't have some sort of screw up or some fluky thing, um, he's just gonna he's just gonna win. I mean, it, it just it's crazy, like they're just really on it right now. Um, and as, as good as Ferrari's looked at sometimes at times this year, uh, Mercedes had their moments, but nobody, nobody can touch max. Really. It's the same song. Like max is the best driver. You put him in the best team with the best car and they don't make mistakes. It's like there, there is no blueprint to beat these guys. And then a track like Monza, which is very fast and plays to Red Bull strength and car superiority with top end speed like what it basically feels like you're in two classes you've got max and then you've got everybody else so the big controversy though now i don't know if this would have changed the result okay i'm not saying this would have cost max a win but it would have been more entertaining um and obviously this is not something that's typically done in formula one but uh, i think with five laps to go daniel ricardo's car comes to a stop on the track they call for a safety car and it becomes apparent they're not going to be able to move Daniel Ricardo's car off the track. The marshals stop working on it, and they're waiting for a crane uh, to come get it. Uh, the commentators, actually to my surprise, really, were in favor of throwing a red flag there to give the fans a finish. I really feel like that's a big evolution uh, in Formula One thinking, that they were saying, hey, we want to give the fans a finish. We don't want this to finish under yellow. Um, you know, let, let, let it, let it play out under green. Um, let's do everything we can to preserve these final laps. F1 with no Michael Massey there does not elect to do that and, um, does not opt for the entertainment option and runs out the race under yellow. The fans jeer and boo loudly. The Ferrari fans there in Monza, uh, Max was practically drowned out by booze during his, um, winner's interview afterwards. Um, what are your thoughts, Jordan? Is this something that F1 should go sort of down the NASCAR-ish route of giving fans a finish? I'm not saying they need overtime, but no. to preserve the laps. I, I think I'm okay with it. And we've, we've had this conversation this year about IndyCar and Indy 500 and their tradition, how they've kind of evolved. I think it's worthy to give fans at least one opportunity to get a finish in. And I'm not saying you need to extend it overtime, but there's got to be some way of saying, hey, whether we stop the race, we're going to do a one-lap shootout, whatever that is, 
it just feels hollow. It, it feels empty. And if you're going to ask people to invest their hard-earned money and time into your product, give them a satisfactory conclusion and not an anticlimactic finish like we saw today. Those fans had a right to boo. And I thought it was interesting that Red Bull, which, you know, a year ago, we just give us one lap. We just need one, one lap on the screen. Lap. One, one racing lap. They were very quiet today. They were very quiet today. But he, it seemed like Horner, Christian Horner even seemed to suggest like, hey, I think they could have gone back to green there. Yeah. You know, um, and again, had they lined up, uh, you know, they were pretty much on the same tires because I think Max and Leclerc and George Russell, I think they were maybe all on used softs. They were all on softs, but I think they were all used. So, you know, it would have been fun to see a restart. You don't know what happened again. Max this year probably wins anyway, but it would have been more fun and entertaining and exciting to watch. Um, and the fans get what they want. I mean, like, it's okay to give them. And again, I'm not saying you got to go to unlimited overtimes or doing everything else, but like just saying like, hey, we are going to make one attempt at this. I think that's okay. And at least you can tell your fans and hey, we tried. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, it just seems like uh, they said that it's actually going to be mathematically possible now for Max to already clinch the championship at the next race in Singapore, uh, I doubt I doubt he'll clinch it that early, but it's it's going to be coming soon. And by the way, Jordan, you got my hopes up that we were going to be able to watch an F1 race together. Yeah, after I screwed Bristol up. next week. What in the world were you looking at? What calendar? Yeah, I looked up. I was quickly in a hurry. It was like three. I don't know what the hell time it was. It was late, and I got, got excited. excited about making eggs. And then you're like, "There's going to be an no, F1 race." That was Jeff. like two weeks ago. That was at Daytona. I'm not making eggs in Bristol because there's no. But I thought we could go out, have some mimosas and some Bloody Marys, and watch Formula One. I thought that'd be fun. Excuse me for being excited. I'm sorry I didn't look closer at the calendar and my sleep deprived state. Yes. Well, uh, that that was the case. Speaking of sleep deprived. We owe some shout-outs, right? I I almost forgot about this. We owe some shout-outs because last week I said, you know, our our podcast was so late. And I said, is anybody listening to this like in the middle of the night? Like, I I, I don't know if they are. But guess what? We we started getting tweets um, that people were. So uh, I think the first one I got was uh, Brian Nicodemus. And uh, at, uh, let's see, 3.09 a.m. Eastern. He had tweeted us and said, I waited up for the podcast and I heard your ending to the tweet uh, that I listened. Uh, helps that I have the day off tomorrow. Ali Osman, uh, 3.27 a.m. was listening to us. Uh, another one, um, Jay Rot, 4.02 a.m. And these uh, 4.10 a.m. here for Kevin from Virginia. Um, 4.15 a.m., Patrick Ronaldo. So they go, they go on and on. We got, we had the one guy who like said he never tweeted before and he felt compelled to send a tweet for the first time. Yes. Yes. I saw that one. Uh, yeah. You, you responded to that guy. I think I'd missed that one initially. So, uh, That's yes, great. very Our cool. Fans are awesome. No, that, uh, it was, it was really great. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that one was three Oh three AM. Steve Mez, I think was uh, one of that ones anyway. Uh, yes. So, um, and also people like that. I was jealous over your race for the championship appearance <laughs> when I was really just appalled that your face was that big on my HDTV screen. But, hey, no one wants to look at me. I completely understand. <laughs> my mom used to tell me how to face for radio. So. So let's uh, let's talk about IndyCar. I feel yeah, so I, bad. So bad. I, um, you know, we, we've we've tried to, um, you know, give some time to IndyCar all year long. Um, 
on the podcast and make sure they're included. And I try to include them in my top five. And, you know, then you get a situation today where their championship race is on like literally at the exact same time as the Kansas NASCAR playoff race. And norm, you know, if I had been home, I could do double screens, right? Like I have multiple screens in my setup in my office at home. I can watch, you know, this and this and scoring and, you know, all this stuff here at the track. I got my laptop. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I, I can't watch another race um, at the same time. So I wasn't able to watch any of it. Did, did you happen to watch any of the Laguna Seca race before I go further? Uh, I watched it. I mean, I had it on split screen. I watched it on my computer. It, it's hard to focus on that though. And focus on NASCAR, which is our priority at this time. And I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, they're on the West coast. So I, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to, I don't know how you figure out the schedule, but it just seems like this is a opportunity to, to have a, the, the NASCAR race, maybe, and I'll agree with you on this. Maybe this is a time when you go to an earlier start time, Jeff. <laughs> And you say, we're going to have this NASCAR playoff race at Kansas. And since this, uh, the IndyCar race is on the West Coast, we're going to have a uh, – it goes into the IndyCar race. I, I just feel like this is a missed opportunity for a lot of cross-promotion. It, it didn't even feel like the race was going on in terms of social media and everything else and people talking about it. This should have been a much bigger deal than it was, and it didn't feel like it at all. I, I feel so bad because it's like – First of all, NBC has both properties. Yeah. You know, they put IndyCar on NBC. They put NASCAR on USA. They run them at the same time. It's the first day of NFL Sunday. So you're already, you're already having a lot of sort of casual viewers not watch racing today at all because they're going to watch NFL all day long. Then you take the race fans and, you know, obviously most of them are going to watch NASCAR anyway, but you divide that further mm -hmm. and I just, I, I'm, I'm just curious as to like, what is, what is the point? What is the end game here? You know, why, why sign up to broadcast both these motorsport series and continually put them against each other? Um, you know, I, I feel like I was sold uh, sort of like a bill of goods or something when at the brickyard double header, it was all about, we're growing. Everybody's growing motorsports in America. Let's celebrate both fans. We want you to watch both. We really like, Hey, you should get into IndyCar NASCAR fans. You should get into NASCAR IndyCar fans. Let's let's all celebrate. And this is and then the next week they go head to head. The championship goes head to head. It's just I don't know. It just seems so frustrating. I mean, I I, I don't really know what you do because, like you said, it is a West Coast finale. So that race for IndyCar was already starting at twelve thirty a.m. local or sorry twelve thirty p.m. local time. Um, NASCAR, you know, USA. I guess the, the NBC still wants that late afternoon slot, um, you know, three, whatever Eastern time. And I don't know. It's just, it's just sort of deflating. Like you said, I mean, I, I didn't see a ton of buzz for the IndyCar finale and it's frustrating because I, I think they have great people over there. Um, they have interesting drivers, series. interesting stories, great racing personalities. And uh, I, I just think they need, they need more attention, but I, it's, it's tough to get it when you're going up against you know, the top motorsport by far in the United States. And I don't know. Anyway, Will Power uh, came in with a 20 point lead and he ends up winning the second championship. He was the guest on the 12 questions this week. So that works out at least if you're going to be still listening to this podcast uh, later, uh, we will post that um, on this podcast feed. The 12 questions is Will Power. 
uh, was able to do that a couple days uh, before he took off for the West Coast. So anyway, uh, cool for him. I mean, you know, he got he broke uh, the pole record, um, got his second title, uh, really great career. And, and I think if you look at like his total podiums for the year, he was a worthy champion. Um, Absolutely. No doubt. You know, so uh, unfortunately, it, it stinks for, uh, you know, New Garden. Uh, man, I wonder what could have been had he not had that crash in the uh, second Iowa race there. Is that like 40 some points or something like that? Yeah, him? yeah, that was a that was a big loss. Um, you know, he was leading and his car just snapped loose, lost it. Um, broke and something, then, I thought. What's that? I, thought I was going to say it broke something, I thought. Oh. Didn't it like a parts fit? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, Scott Dixon, had he not sped on pit road at the Indy 500, oh. which was double points, he would have won the Indy 500 and, you know, easily won the championship essentially based on how things would have been. So that one speeding penalty costs him not only the Indy 500, but the championship most likely as well. And, uh, ouch, but, uh, willpower, you know, he went there and did what he had to do at Laguna Seca and he's the champ. He's got a career that I think when he retires, you're going to look back on and go, wow, that was a much, uh, he, the, what he did and he accomplished was much more than you actually realize. You know, sometimes you kind of lose sight of it. And I think it's part of, because, you know, he had that, that, you know, like three years in a row where he like the championship, he let the championship get away. Like, right. He would, I mean, he basically choked. Right. I mean, I think that's fair to say he went to that last, you know, last race of the year and he had a couple of times and he, for whatever reason, it, it didn't happen. And you look at it now though, he's got two Indy 500 or two championships. He's won an Indy 500. He's got the pole record. He's got all of these race wins. And you look at every year and it's just like, wow, this is, this guy is a model of consistency. And he is one of, and part of that too is racing against Scott Dixon, which you kind of get lost in that a little bit. That This guy is, was one of the best. So Jordan, um, I got a, a direct message from Freeman Nestor. At least that's his Twitter name. Um, I don't know if that's his real name, but, um, he sent me a direct message the other night and he said, I love listening to the teardown each week, but I'm not going to lie. The good race poll debate was my favorite part. I didn't even realize how much I enjoyed it until you stopped doing it. Please bring the segment back. I get the Twitter hate and the poll issues. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's talking about, he, he understands it's an extra click for people, but he really wants to hear us discuss what we think yes. the whole thing will be. So maybe enough time has passed now that people don't think I'm going to rig it in favor uh, of, of my vote total. We don't have to keep score again, but um, how do you think uh, we, we can we can make a poll guess if, if everybody's okay? Yeah, woohoo! What a great okay. you know this this is just the cherry on top of a great week. All right, well since you're so excited, why don't you give your guess first on what the poll result for for Kansas will be? I, I first of all I will say I was. I thought Darlington last week was a really good race. I was surprised that it was a 90% club race. And I don't mean that disparagingly. I just, I was surprised that it was. So kind of thinking about that, I'm going to go 85% for Kansas. I, I think it was a really competitive race. I thought there was passing. Um, you, you saw guys make moves and guys come from the back. I, I thought this were, it was, it wasn't one of those barn burner mile and a half races we've seen at, you know, Charlotte and Kansas earlier this year, but this was still really good. So I'm going to throw 85% out there. I mean, you had 12 different leaders, mm -hmm. 16 lead changes, mm -hmm. nine cautions, um, and really like a lot of stuff happening throughout. I think, I mean, I was pretty entertained. That said, you cannot ignore 
the racist element of Bubba Wallace hating fans who I've tried to mute many of them. Several still popped up in my timeline again. I, I guess I didn't mute everybody. Um, so I think there will be a percentage of people that will absolutely not vote yes on this because bubble one. Um, I, you know, sad that that's a deciding factor, but you can see the hate. Um, I mean, I saw several very racist things being said, uh, yeah. just like, wow. Okay. Just awful. Here we go. So, uh, I think that's unfortunately, I, I like your 85% guess, but I think I'm, I'm going to knock it down a little bit. Um, I might go 82, 82. Okay. That's, uh, you, okay. you're, unfortunately, you're probably right, which is a very, which is sad. The good thing is that I saw today is a lot of people were almost like searching in my mentions for the racist comments. And then they would, the people who would see them would like jump on those people, uh, like just attack the, uh, you know, the people who were saying terrible things. So that made me feel a little bit better about Twitter in general. Just, um, the people were like, no, you know what? Just shut up. Please shut up. So, um, yes. Yeah. Good traps uh, over evil. Anyway, um, as you heard there, Jordan and I will be, or at least we're planning on, uh, both being at Bristol next week. Um, that will be very exciting. And uh, hopefully see somebody there. Maybe we can even drag Jordan out to the tweet up. I don't know. Would yes, you, would I'll you come, come to the tweet, tweet up? up. I'm going to, barring something crazy unforeseen, I'm going to come to the tweet. I do try to make it to the tweet ups as much as I can. I was at the last one. Uh, that was race. I was at. Okay. Well, um, yes, let's, uh, let's plan on that and plan on seeing some of you there. And uh, we will be they're back to break it all down from the end of round one. Can't That's wait. a crazy night. The anniversary of Jordan's Harvick video. Wow. Yeah, you want Good to recreate times. that? Yes, we should recreate that. We yeah. can do like a dramatic recreation of it. We need to find T-shirt guy and see if he's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, um, of course, thanks as always for listening. We appreciate you very much. And we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.